0: triton spotlight we're on the diamond talking triton softball with bobby agiri she's seen it all in her six years with the program from division two postseason to the chance to play in italy last summer bobby experienced some tough personal challenges and she'll fill us in on how her triton family helped her through those dark days and we'll end on a lighter note as we put her on the hot seat for our highly anticipated quick pick segment you won't want to miss that what sport would she choose to play if she weren't playing softball find out in this week's triton spotlight welcome to episode 80 of triton cast the podcast for uc san diego athletics i'm your host jeff turiel whether you found us on UCSDTritons.com or on your favorite podcast platform thank you so much for making us part of your day if you enjoy the show take a moment to subscribe rate us or write a brief review before we get to this week's conversation with softball's bobby aguirre let's go around campus congratulations to all of the triton graduates the university's annual commencement exercises took place over the weekend. You can see a fun photo gallery of our graduating scholar-athletes on ucsdtritons.com. Our fall schedules continue to roll out with men's soccer now on the web, and men's water polo, women's volleyball, and cross country are all coming soon. UC San Diego Chancellor Pradeep Kosla will serve as chair of the Big West Board of Directors in 2024-25. That's our first following the Division 1 reclassification. And speaking of the chancellor, Several scholar-athletes were invited to his home for the annual Breakfast of Champions early this month. Such an honor. As a first-timer myself, I can confirm that the ocean views and the food were equally fabulous. Now it's on to this week's Triton Spotlight. Here's our conversation with two-time Triton Athletes Council President, Bobby Aguirre. All right, Bobby, tell us how you ended up at UC San Diego.
1: Um, so I actually had a pretty interesting recruiting Uh, process I wasn't recruited until like my senior year Um, and I my dad actually would always help me find the coach's cell phone numbers and would help me send out my schedule of games and whatnot and coach Millsap who ended up recruiting me actually um, said that she was like tired of getting my messages so she finally was just going to come see me play and I ended up hitting a home run that game, which was pretty unlikely of me in travel ball. And (laughs) that kind of that kind of sealed the deal. So, um, you know, my my persistency can uh, (laughs) definitely worked in my favor.
0: So you wore her down.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: (laughs) Is that as. I'm not involved in recruiting day to day, thankfully, for UC San Diego in any sport. Um, but is that normal to have a coach's cell phone number? I mean, it seems kind of invasive, or is that what everybody does?
1: <laughs> yeah. So you basically have, you definitely have their emails. Um, and then I think once you kind of bu- build a relationship with the coaches, they'll give you their cell phone numbers because. They'll usually call you from there or just kind of check in on you, especially if you're already uh, committed to go to that school. Um, So it's not super uncommon, but I think I think at the time I was getting recruited, it was a little more uncommon because I think most coaches had like an office number instead of their actual cell phone number. Right. Um, But yeah, that was kind of a secret, honestly.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Was UC San Diego the place you always wanted to go?
1: Uh, not necessarily. I, um, was really interested in Stanford my sophomore year. And then my junior year, I was actually looking at UPenn, uh, but they wanted me to get a perfect score on my ACT. So that was a little bit, that was a little difficult. So, um, when, once UC San Diego started talking to me, it was basically between them and another school. And it was kind of a no brainer. My, I was supposed to visit the other school and my dad kind of was like, Okay, just take a second to like look at these two schools, and they really don't even compare. So we, uh, yeah, we. I made the decision to go to UC San Diego.
0: So ACT aside, was Penn really a serious consideration? That's pretty far away.
1: Yeah, yeah. I always uh, wanted to go to East Coast, the East Coast, or honestly, just somewhere different. Mostly, mostly the East Coast, though. I wanted to experience what like four seasons actually look like. And, (laughs) um, you know, I just really liked the, the look of all the schools on the East coast. Um, but when I think about it now, I, I don't know if I would have made it, (laughs) it was definitely nice being only an hour away from home for my entire collegiate career. So it was, yeah, I think it was for the best. (laughs)
0: So you decided to come to La Jolla for school and to play softball. What was your adjustment like as a freshman?
1: When I think, honestly, when I think to my freshman year, I, I was honestly really blessed. I, I wasn't extremely homesick. I, you know, my parents were able to come to every single softball game. I felt really prepared athletically and academically, honestly, but, I I was mostly nervous about, you know, honestly, I was probably equally nervous about academics and athletics, but um, I had, I just ended up having a really good freshman year. I felt really prepared and I, I, like, obviously I was really excited. Like most freshmen are, but um, yeah, I felt like I I played well and I did better in the classroom than I thought I was going to do. And so I think that just kind of helped me, stay calm a little bit and take it one day at a time. And it it was over before I knew it. So it was, it was good.
0: Of course, when you arrived here, UC San Diego was competing in the CCAA and division two, but the division one move was in the works and coming soon. Did that factor at all into your decision?
1: Yeah. I, you know, most of the time, I think when we're young, we get, stuck on the idea of going to a division one and don't really consider a ton of other schools or a ton of other possibilities. But, um, you know, my, that I remember like looking into that when we were looking at UC San Diego and making a decision and and seeing that that was a possibility. And that was always really exciting. You know, it's, of course it's exciting to play division one, but, um, you know, just being a part of that transition, I knew I would probably only get at the time I should have only got one year in division one, but we know now that I got three. Um, And so, you know, that was, that was definitely more than enough, you know, and, and even, even if that wasn't an option, like just the curriculum here and, and, you know, like the prestige of our university was, was already enough anyway. And we were really good in division two. So that was, you know, that was also, like definitely convincing to get me here. So, um, yeah, I mean, division one was something to look forward to, but it wasn't, wasn't the deciding factor for me.
0: And your freshman year, you had a great season competitively. You were, you drove home 50 runs. You were an all region, second team selection. Did you surprise yourself with your ability to adjust to collegiate softball?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely did. I mean, I, always had a really strong work ethic and you know I had amazing um travel ball coaches my last year and you know they they just instill this mindset into you basically and you know I I definitely showed up as with a freshman mindset. You know, I, I didn't think I was gonna play very much. I knew I was gonna have to outwork people. I knew I would have to perform in college in order to play and you know, and, and I knew there was a senior in my starting spot honest, or in my in my position, honestly. So I kind of accepted the fact that I wasn't really going to play much. Um, but, you know, again, with just like the mindset that I had and the work ethic that I had, um, it it ended up it ended up paying off. And, you know, I had the senior that was in my position was was just amazing to be behind and, you know, never gave me a hard time about playing over her and, and whatnot because you know like you said I had a great season and and it was it was really beneficial to the team. So it was surprising, but it was definitely a lot of fun. And yeah, you know, I wish every season was like that, honestly.
0: <laughs> I know you missed your sophomore season due to injury. When did that happen?
1: Um yeah, that happened really early uh sophomore season or sophomore year in the fall. Yes. So I had it right in December. I think December 17th was the date, um, of, of that year. So, so it was right at the end of, uh, that calendar year, but right before, uh, preseason for my sophomore season. Um, and yeah, it it was really, it was a long road to recovery. That's for sure.
0: I can't imagine what that must've been like. It was, pain in your throwing elbow right yes that's something that oftentimes happens with pitchers
1: yeah it's it's normally uh in baseball baseball pitchers um because they're throwing overhands so it's not super uncommon in other positions in our sport because we throw overhand it wouldn't really happen as much in our in our pitchers since we throw they throw underhand got it Um, but yeah, it's just—I mean, being a catcher, you're throwing the ball back almost as many times as the pitcher's throwing the ball to you. So it was—it uh, was definitely overtime, which is unfortunate because it probably started when I was in high school. But um, I think just with the amount of playing time and catching time I got my freshman year, and just our schedule, honestly. I mean, we're practicing every single day when. In high school, you, you know, it's mostly weekend heavy and whatnot. So I think just the amount of throwing and stuff really kind of put it over the the edge for me, my sophomore year.
0: So you had to have Tommy John surgery. That meant, of course, you were going to miss the entire season. Was that difficult for you to process?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. We, you know, we had just come off of a really good year, my freshman year, Um, and and, and I mean, mostly as a team, you know, we, we played really well. We made it to regionals and stuff. And, um, we, so I, I was definitely going back and forth with that decision. You know, I was like, I played a whole year with my arm like this. I could do it again. And, you know, I even, I had a, I had like an an email from a coach in Italy that wanted a couple of us to go play in Italy over the summer. And, you know, I, I told Mike once I got that email. I told my coach I was like, I can't do the surgery. I have to put it off. Like I need to go do this, and she was like, Listen, like those emails come around more than you think, and you know, you you made a promise to me ultimately that you were going to play here, and so I need you to get that surgery as soon as possible, and so. So I kind of just accepted that and, you know, I I did it and, I, and I'm really glad I did it when I did. So and she was right. The opportunity did come around again to go play in Italy. So nothing to worry about there.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that trip last <laughs> summer with Gabby in a little bit. So yeah. you missed your sophomore season. As you noted, the team was really good competitively uh, in 2019. So now in to 2020, your third year as a Triton, but your second year of playing softball, what was it like to get back on the field?
1: Oh, it was so exciting. I, you know, of course I was a little, a little nervous, but I think the excitement was totally over, overrode that over. <laughs> yeah, past yeah, that's right. Override, right? Overrode Um, and it was just, it was so much fun to be back out there. I, you know, doing when you have a rehab program for 13 months, you know, if, if you do that correctly, like you're going to come back in, in the best shape that you've ever been in and stronger than you were before your injury. And so I definitely was feeling that going into the season. And I think that gave me, gave me enough confidence to not, not be super nervous. So, um, yeah, I was ready to go. It was, still a little hard. You know, I was in that DH position, um, because my, my coaches didn't really want me catching anymore. And so, yeah, I had a, I had to earn my spot again, just like I had to have that freshman mindset. Basically I had to earn my spot. I had to earn a spot on the field again, and that wasn't going to be catching most likely. And so it was hard, but it was exciting. Like I said, it was kind of like my freshman year again. And so I was, I was definitely excited for that.
0: Was your catching career effectively over?
1: Not, not concretely. Like it was, you know, it was, (laughs) that was probably the hardest part of coming back from the injury was, you know, am I catching? Am I not? Should I be catching? Should I not? Because it was definitely a, you know, that my, my doctor always said, like, if you can play somewhere else, play somewhere else. And, you know, and and that's kind of that's a really difficult statement to work with because I could play somewhere else, uh, but I'm the best at catching, in my opinion. And, you know, so it's hard to give that up because you should versus like, you know, you don't really have to. And and yeah, I kind of you know, I definitely tried for catch. I tried catching again and it kind of, you know, my I think that same like ligament they repaired started to tear a little bit again. It was really, it was really unclear. Um, but it was, it definitely wasn't the best place for me to be, um, catching. So, yeah, so we, we figured it out and that's kind of how I ended up at first base. Honestly.
0: We're chatting with Bobby Aguirre this week on Triton cast when you began playing softball. Well, how old were you when you started playing softball?
1: Um, I was, according to my mom, I was four years old, almost five. So, um, yeah, most people are five, but apparently I was four.
0: (laughs) You skirted the system. I like it. (laughs) When did you start catching?
1: Oh man. I probably started catching when I was eight, eight or nine.
0: And did you get into it right away or was that an adjustment?
1: Um, what do you mean? Like just when I was eight year old, eight yeah. years old, like how hard that was. Um, I think I think I was young enough where you know I I was one of the kids that wasn't really afraid of the ball, and you know just loved to get dirty and and whatnot. So catching was kind of the perfect position for me.
0: All right, going back to to modern times, I know you're not an everyday catcher anymore, but how quickly can you put all the gear on?
1: Oh for sure under a minute that was always that was always a uh, like a little game you would play or college coaches at camps they would they would time you sometimes so it it had to be under a minute actually
0: <laughs> okay and what's the order where do you start
1: oh for sure my shin guards usually one shin guard the other shin guard chest protector and then helmet <laughs>
0: Is there one shin guard versus the other? Like, did you go left, right, right, left, whatever?
1: Yeah, usually I usually went left, right.
0: (laughs) And and why?
1: I don't know. I think the left one was a little bit easier because I was right handed. So like, I'm not sure. But yeah, just just the left side was first.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) So so let's bring it back to now 2020. We know the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Uh, Tell us about what that season was like up to that point. And then, of course, when you all found out that the season was over.
1: Yeah, um, man, it's hard to even think about right up to that point, because all you think of is that point, I think. So, um, you know, oh, we I do remember we actually had just played uh, Team USA, uh, which was amazing. We um, I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah. We, we played them on March 9th, I believe. I like, it's funny just the dates that you realize you remember, but um, yeah, we had just played them the weekend or two weekends before uh, we got canceled. And then I remember we played San Bernardino, Cal state, San Bernardino. And um, I remember doing really, really well that, (laughs) that weekend in, I was, I explained it to somebody and I was like, you know, the way I looked at it was like, I just, I just tried to hit off the best pitcher in the world, right? This team USA pitchers and whatnot. So why am I not going to hit great against Cal state San Bernardino, you know, like no offense, but like, there's a difference there. And, you know, and so that just kind of gave me the confidence, I guess, going into that weekend. I'm not too sure, but I remember just having a really good weekend and, Um, And then that next week was just crazy. I mean, we, you know, I basically, I remember being in class and like checking my phone. And we saw that all the Ivy Leagues had canceled their season. And I was like, okay, like, that's weird. But, you know, they're a big, they're a big conference and you know definitely weird but they're really far away right I'm like but they're super far away like let's see you know maybe this will blow over and I think walking out of class I saw that the PAC-12 canceled and I was like oh we're done like as soon as I saw PAC-12 cancel I was like there's no way that we are not going to cancel now you know so we um right after like I got that Pac 12 cancellation notification um probably like minutes after that we got a text from our coach saying that uh we needed to, we were going to have a meeting in you know 20 30 minutes or something if if you can make it then please be there and so we definitely knew we went up to our coach's office first actually and she was you know hugging our seniors and You know, it was a no brainer, obviously. And so, um, yeah, when I think back to it, though, it's funny because in order to cancel our season and, you know, everything eventually shut down, we were all meeting in a small room with no masks on with, you (laughs) know. And so when I look back to that, I'm like, that's actually really ironic, you know, that that's how we had to cancel everything is face to face in a small room where, you know, that was so uncommon for probably the next two years, honestly. So yeah, that's what happened.
0: Crazy times. And obviously none of us knew just the severity of the situation and how, how bad things would get. So unceremoniously, the division two era was over for UC San Diego. And now joining division one and the big West uh, and coming Back in the fall of 2020, not knowing, of course, if there would even be a, a spring season in 2021, what what was the team um, situation like? How all, how were you all meeting? Was that on Zoom?
1: Um, yes, before. So I'm not sure exactly the timeline. Right. But, yeah, we were definitely meeting on Zoom at one point only on Zoom. Um, we made. We were asked to make videos. We were asked to, uh, you know, make videos of uh, drills, basically, of us, like, coach, coaching or teaching somebody a drill, right, so that we could learn that drill even better, like a hitting drill, for example. Um, and, yeah, is this the season where we we actually ended up playing, right, in person? Correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, um, then once we got back to school, you know, of course, everything was just, like... The the way I look at it, honestly, is is it's almost like everything was a game. Like there were specific instructions that you had to follow, or else you were out. You know, you or else you had to go home. You were <laughs> sent away. Like it was it was intense. And so, yeah, once we finally made it back on campus, you know, we had to have a mask on at all times. We practiced with the mask on outside. Um, everyone was getting masked hands. Uh, from being outside with our masks or practicing with masks on we um, (laughs) you know you were getting like either like acne or rashes from where your mask was because you know you were sweating so much and it it was it was really gross honestly but you know we it was a no-brainer that that's what we were going to do to play so um, you got used to it real quick I mean we we were at this point too. I was I remember catching bullpens with my mask under my catcher's mask, which was pretty intense.
0: Oh my um, goodness.
1: Yeah, so it was it was rough and it was really hot. It was really hot that fall. That's all I can remember. Um and yeah, but it was it was what we had to do and so, you know, everybody kind of just sucked it up and and did it and and we were able to play because of it. So, it was it was definitely hopefully a once in a lifetime experience. So yeah, it was crazy.
0: Our guest this week on Triton cast is Bobby Aguirre. Meanwhile, you had become involved in the Triton athletes council. And by that year that we were just talking about, you were the vice president and then you went on to become president for each of the last two years. Why did you get involved with TAC?
1: Yeah, I, um, you know, I knew some of my teammates that were TAC reps, so to speak. Each team has two reps that rep- representatives that represent their team. Um, and so, you know, it just seemed like a really fun place to meet new athletes and athletes from the teams that you, you know, you walk past every single day, but you don't really, you don't really say anything to because you you were never introduced to them and whatnot. But um yeah, it just seemed kind of like a smaller community within athletics um, that got you kind of connected with everyone. So it was definitely something that sparked my interest and ended up being really fun.
0: And when you pursued being on the executive board as first as VP and then as as president, was being out front and public speaking and those kinds of things, was that new to you? Is that a little uncomfortable or, or were you good with that?
1: Um, I think for the most part, I was good with it. I think, um, you know, there's, there's certain like leadership roles I had in high school and whatnot, but um, yeah, no matter how comfortable I was with it, anytime I had to speak in, in front of the entire athletics department, honestly, it was, you know, my heart would be racing a little bit, but um, I think after like the first line of whatever speech I was giving, I was able to calm down a little and just like, just remember that, you know, these are the people that I usually see every single day and, um, you know, they're, they're athletes just like, there's scholar athletes just like me. So it was, it was easy to calm
0: down. Take us behind the curtain. What were these campaigns like? Were there dirty commercials and airing laundry against your (laughs) opponents, that kind of thing? Um,
1: No, it wasn't as intense as high school ASB, probably. (laughs) You know, that's where you definitely think of making these posters and coming up with the most clever um, slogan and whatnot. But no, we um, you basically if anybody's interested in becoming a TAC rep, you can send an application in and all of those applications will be filed through. Um, to the current TAC reps at the time, so um, er, the current e-board at the time, and so you, the e-board goes through them and chooses the TAC reps, and and uh, but e-board specific elections, you actually give a speech at um, at our TAC meetings. So um, you know you basically just say why you want the position, what you think you can do uh, for the school or in the, uh, in that position, basically, and, and kind of any future like plans or ideas that you have. And so, you know, sometimes, sometimes you're running unopposed and that's the best time because you can, (laughs) you know, your speech is a little, you know, like I said, you're a little more calm giving that speech because, you know, you have that position. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not too intense, but, um, it's definitely worth it. You do a lot of work that you feel really good about at the end of it.
0: In your time with TAC, what are you most proud of?
1: Um, you know, I think my my best TAC memory, honestly, was when I was a rep and we were still in Division Two. We were actually able to partner with uh, the Make a Wish Foundation, and so any money that we raised, we were able to give um, toward that foundation. So um, this year. Uh, the year that I was a TAC rep, I think it was my third year here, we um, we raised over $2,000. And because we raised so much money, we were able to um, actually present a child with their wish, which was, I believe, going to like a Golden State Warriors game and meeting Steph Curry and stuff like that. And so we were actually able to present the child with that wish in um, Remac Arena at the time. Um, and that was definitely my 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 favorite memory and and once we moved to division 1 you know we weren't <clears throat> excuse me we weren't able to partner with make a wish anymore so we um we focused more on um like our san diego community so that was also really fun you know we were able to give back to our own school or triton food pantry or um, you know, any elementary schools around us and and whatnot. So we were able to focus on our e- area a little more, which was also really cool. So um, yeah, kind of both of those, one one memory as a rep and one memory as president and whatnot.
0: That's really amazing stuff. When you look back at your time as a Triton, we talked about as a freshman, you, you surprised yourself a little bit with your ability to adjust to the university academically, but you were all academic within the conference every year. And we talked about a lot of your athletic success in all region and things like that. And now you're a two-time TAC president. Uh, How did you do all of that?
1: Uh, You know, (laughs) when I look back, I, I don't know. I'm like, wow, that's, you know, it's more than it's, it seems when you're doing it, I think. When you look at it, you know, when you look at it, when I'm basically done now, you know, I'm like, like you said, that does seem like so much, you know, and, but you just, I mean, I think I just, I had mentioned it earlier at one point for, for a different answer, but, you know, just taking it one day at a time and making sure I write down all of my appointments, because as soon as you don't write it down, you're going to forget one. Um, And just, um, yeah, just taking it one day at a time. I, you know, I, was able to kind of slow things down and just the support that we have outside of softball, as far as tutoring and, you know, mental health support now and, and stuff like that. It just, it definitely just helped me, you know, look at it, it just slow things down and, and make it super manageable. Honestly, I don't ever feel like I was I don't ever feel like I had to give up one of those things in order to make things easier, which is, which is really awesome to think about. So yeah, I just, I just made it work, which was, which was really cool. And I'm glad I did.
0: When COVID-19 hit the NCAA granted athletes an extra year of eligibility, basically that 2020 season didn't count. And in your case, obviously you were out for a year following the Tommy John surgery. So you stayed not just one extra year, but two. What went into your decision to come back and then come back again?
1: Yeah, I think um, when I was injured, my decision to take a fifth year was was hard, hardly even had to be thought about. I you know, I was like, I know I owe this to my coach. I owe this to myself. You know, I was supposed to play here for four years. And so I'm going to, um, whatever that looks like. And so, uh, luckily, you know, my coach was on board for it and, um, allowed me to redshirt and take that fifth year. And so that was kind of, that was definitely the easy, the easiest decision. Um, and then fast forward to this COVID year, right. I, you know, it was, it was harder. It was, a sixth year for me academically and, and athletically to a certain extent, you know, athletically was a little bit different. Um, but especially academically, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do as far as, uh, um, getting my, my master's or if, you know, I, I ended up double majoring as I'm sure, you know, but, um, I think ultimately it came down to, um, like just the conversations I had with my dad you know he my mom and my dad loved watching me play more than anything probably my entire life and so um I knew how happy it made them to watch me play I knew how happy it made me to play um and I I had said this the other day on a, a panel at school they You know, I was like my dad would always joke about how he still had a year of eligibility to play football at uh, the school he went to. And so, you know, at this point, he's 50 years old talking about joking about um, having a year of eligibility still, which he did. But, you know, I don't I don't know if there's there has to be an age limit on when you can use that. Right. And so we would joke about it all the time. And so that was definitely a uh, factor in it. I was like, you know, when I'm 50, I don't want to be able to joke that I still have a year of eligibility. So, um, yeah, I, I went for it and it was, you know, it was ultimately, ultimately for him and for my mom and everyone else that loved, loved and supported me playing. So it was, it was worth it.
0: You've mentioned several times during this conversation, the family support you've had, um, here at UC San Diego. And of course, even and prior to that, well, many of us know, and for our listeners who don't, your your father got sick and ultimately passed away. What was it like to be going through that while at the same time trying to be a college student and manage everything we've been talking about?
1: Yeah, I think, um, honestly, it's surprising um, how capable you are to still continue on. Like, it's it's hard to explain, but... You know, I think for so long, especially when when he was sick, you know, I you obviously think about like when that day is going to come and whatnot. And I, you know, every part of me is like, I will fall apart, like I won't be able to. I won't be able to play one thing is, is definitely something I thought about um, because softball was definitely our thing since, you know, I was four years old and my dad was the, the other athlete in the family, regardless of what my mom will say, but she'll probably (laughs) laugh listening to this. So (laughs) she knows the truth though. And so, you know, athletics was definitely um, a huge bonding point for us. And so back to my point, you know, I think you, you know, you convince yourself that you will, completely fall apart. And I think, you know, I think one day I might, you know, not saying that I haven't, but it you surprise, I, you know, I finished off that quarter, I think the first quarter ever with straight A's and, you know, granted I was done with my human bio degree already. So this was on to psychology, which was a little different than human bio. Um, but you know, I just, I just continued to surprise myself. I, you know, I took a f- probably about a month off of softball. Um, and luckily we're a spring sport, we're a spring season, um, because this happened in the fall. So, um, yeah, I, I only took a, a few weeks off and, you know, and I was back and, and it's weird. It's honestly really weird. It's hard to explain, but like when I talk to other people that have gone through similar things, you, um, you know, I was just told by, by Katie McGann actually, a uh, past, uh administer and administrator in, in the department, but that, um, you know, it's just definitely surprising at how strong we can be or and resilient. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I I'll definitely be able to say I got through it. Um, and so it's, it's really, it's really hard to explain, but that's probably the best way I can explain it.
0: During the fall, what support did you get from your coaches and teammates?
1: Um, I think you know my coaches were were my number one support system. Um, they you know they didn't put any pressure on me to come back. They uh, you know they were giving me our our new sports psychologists email. They were um, you know checking in on me almost every single day without pressuring me to come back and, um, you know, and, and when it came to the day of the services and everything, like almost every single teammate and coach showed up, um, you know, Earl Edwards, our, our athletics director and, and Nick Feller our you know, our, our AD to our team. He, you know, they showed up and just having everyone there was so overwhelming and so you know, in the best way possible. I know people at the services that were like, once I saw your team come in, I lost it. You know, like it's just seeing that amount of support that you have like right in front of your face. You know, you always talk about it and you know it's there most of the time, but you never you never have a situation where it's, you know, you see it right in front of your face like that. And so, um, yeah, you know, I think the, the best thing that I can probably take away from that is like the not having that pressure to come back or that timeline or anything to come back is probably why I was able to come back sooner. So I'm I'm really grateful for how they they all handled that.
0: Did you have a moment or moments during this time in the fall where you considered that maybe you wouldn't be able to push through and, and play in the spring or wouldn't want to?
1: I, yeah, I think it was more of a want factor than couldn't, right? Like I, you know, it's, it's so odd, but it's, it's just like your other option is to cry every day or to, you know, just, just be heartbroken basically. And it it just wasn't really, it wasn't really an option for me. Or it wasn't wasn't a thought in my head that I couldn't do it um, because, you know, it's hard being an athlete and experiencing what it's like to physically not be able to play. And this is totally different than that. You know, physically, I was healthy. I, you know, I was strong. I I could have played, Um, but it was definitely more of a wanting to play, you know, wanting to play without my dad in the stands, without being able to talk to him after games or hear his advice on what I can do to hit the ball better, or, you know, just, just little things like that that you don't really think of until you, until they're not there, you know? And so it was, it was more of a want factor, um, but I knew I could. And so again, my, you know, my head coach coach, she lost her father when she was young also. And she was like, nobody would blame you if you didn't play. Like it's, you know, it's, it's completely understandable. Um, but I, but I knew I could play. So, you know, and and she's like, and I think she knew I could too. There was no doubt in her head that in her mind that I wouldn't be able to play, but, um, I think they just knew that they were going to have to give me a little more grace than usual and whatever that looked like, you know? So, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a hard, it wasn't a, um, like concrete or like what's the word? It wasn't a clear decision. That's for sure. It wasn't an easy or clear decision, but um, I I knew I had to finish what I started and that's ultimately what it came down to.
0: Were there moments this spring during the season where maybe you were in a slump or something and you could hear his voice either giving you a pep talk or telling you what you should be trying those kinds of things?
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I, I probably had the worst season statistically than that. I've I, I know I had the worst season statistically than um, than any other year here. So that was that was hard, you know, I think. And it's hard because I know people will kind of pin it to that reason. It's like, well, she she went through a lot. She, you know, she was struggling with other things and whatnot, which is. A hundred percent true, but you know, as an, as an athlete and having that mindset to me, it's like, there's no excuse, right? I needed to be better. I needed to do better whatnot. But I think the biggest thing was, um, like I promised myself and made it my, my ultimate goal was to just show up. And I knew if I I think the best thing to take away is like my, my mom and my dad, They never put this outside pressure on me. They never put any more pressure on me than I put on myself or never added to that pressure. And so, you know, if roles were reversed, my dad would be just as happy with that goal of showing up as my mom was. And so once I convinced myself that that was enough, and I think now that the season's over and I've accepted that that's enough, then, uh, you know, it was, it was enough to just show up and just, um, just, you know, think of, think of the things my dad would be saying otherwise. I mean, for example, my last hit was a pop-up and that's, you know, not surprising. And so (laughs) I think, I think he would have said something like that too, or, you know, he would have joked about how, you know, if I just got a little more on top of it, it probably would have been a home run, regardless of the fact that it was a pop up to second base. So, you know, it's it's I I think of things like that, and I, but ultimately, just think of like how proud he would be. So, yeah, that that definitely helped.
0: Our guest on TritonCast Cast this week is Bobby Aguirre. A couple more here before we get to some quick picks. Uh, you mentioned going to Italy and getting to play last summer. You did do that with teammate Gabby Williams. What was that experience like?
1: Oh, it was surreal. I, you know, I, I think of all the memories too, of, of just the conversations I had with my dad. Like I was just talking about while I was there and, and making sure I had money and, you know, making sure that money was, um, (laughs) exchanged properly. Right. And whatnot. (laughs) But, um, you know, it was, it was, it was an amazing experience. We, you know, we were, uh, in a large group with athletes from around the world or around the country, um, all different divisions. And, you know, people were the, were just there to have fun. And that's exactly what I wanted to do with playing again. And with, um, you know, with it, you didn't have any expectations, you know, nobody, unless people looked you up, nobody knew how great of a player you were or weren't. And, You know, you were and we were playing the competition. There was nothing, nothing great, but it was just so much fun. And, you know, we were we were seeing the Tower of Pisa and then going to Verona to play our game that night and then going back to Montecatini for to check into our hotel. And, you know, it was just like we were every minute of the day was planned to a T, which I loved because all you needed to know was where you had to be and what time. And, and, you know, it was just amazing. I mean, we saw almost all of like the, the main sites that you would see. And, um, I would, yeah, I would highly recommend it. And it was, it was just so much fun.
0: What an incredible experience. If you had to pick one or two, what would your favorite Triton memories be?
1: I think, um, I think I can come up with two. One of them was, uh, hitting a grand slam, my first grand slam in my life. Um, and wearing like these silly, everyone, most people know about it now, but I was wearing weightlifting gloves that I got from a (laughs) team, um, white elephant, uh, exchange game, whatnot. And, it was our, it was our team party that we had. And and so I got these weightlifting gloves, decided to wear them all of a sudden and hit a grand slam. Um, And so that was, that was a good joke to hang on to. Um, And then uh, this one's kind of smaller, but I remember throwing my first runner out after having Tommy John surgery. I was, I was catching at this time and um, I threw my first runner out and that was just, that was pretty, that was a pretty great feeling. It was kind of just like all that hard work paid off and, and you know i'm sad i wasn't able to like sustain that as a catcher but um that was that was definitely a really good
0: feeling what's the best nickname your teammates gave you for being the um how do we say it team veteran
1: oh um they they didn't joke with me too much honestly but i think i mean the the typical one was like great grandma right because <laughs> If you were a fifth year, you were a grandma and then they're like, well, what do we say for Bobby? She's even older, you know, and so it was kind of like, (laughs) well, I guess she's the great grandma. Um, But yeah, it it didn't really it didn't really stick around too long. It was, you know, people people rather call me Bob or Bob. So it was and it it made it easier, probably.
0: (laughs) That's still that's pretty solid. earlier, Earlier this month at the Triton Awards, softball was recognized with the Leon T. Roach Award for Team Spirit. What does that mean to you and why were you and your teammates so active and supporting other Titans?
1: yeah i i love that we have gotten this award a couple times now that i've been or a few times now that i've i've been here because i think it just shows how much we care about having a great community here as as athletes and supporting other teams and and wanting that support in return and whatnot but you know it's kind of the idea of like um like giving to others what you want in return, you know, and or, or treating others how you want them to treat you in return. And so I think, I think that's kind of like the, um, the main, uh, idea behind this award. You know, we definitely, my teammates know that I'm very active in TAC and I'm very active in planning, planning these events and whatnot. And so, you know, we always have made it a point to show up and, um, You know and and we have a great time doing it so it's it's hard not to to keep going back or just doing it because we want to you know so um it's definitely really cool to see us just kind of come together and just put everything aside whether that's homework or or outside outside things that we need to do and and just going to a game together supporting our other teams and just you know it, it always ends up being a great time it's it's usually a good game and you know, you, you make memories doing those things. So yeah, I'm definitely super grateful that, um, we've made that kind of a, a main, um, what's the word? Like we've made that a part of our culture on our team, I would say is just supporting other teams as well. So it's pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. You love to see that. You ready for some quick, quick picks, Bobby?
1: Yes, I think.
0: (laughs) All right. Ocean or pool. Pool. Indoor or outdoor? Outdoor. Beach or mountains?
1: Mountains.
0: Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Peanut butter, creamy or crunchy?
1: Crunchy for sure.
0: (laughs) In-store or online?
1: In-store. Nothing online fits me.
0: (laughs) Favorite holiday? Christmas. French toast, pancakes or waffles? Oh, uh, waffles reading or writing reading. Give us one place you've never been that you most want to go. Iceland. Ooh, nice. (laughs) Favorite type of music.
1: Um, probably like classic rock or like acoustic. I don't really know the, (laughs) the genre.
0: I think that works. Podcasts (laughs) or playlists?
1: Playlists.
0: Calls or texts. Calls. Favorite food.
1: Probably pasta.
0: Marinara or pesto. Ooh.
1: Or Alfredo. Pesto.
0: Nice. Favorite pizza topping.
1: Mm, pepperoni or sausage. Kind of an even tie. <laughs>
0: All right, half and half. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Dogs or cats dogs what's one thing about you that would surprise even your friends
1: um, uh, I want a Spanish spelling bee in high school
0: (laughs) very impressive were were you nervous
1: um yeah basically yeah pretty much
0: (laughs) singing or dancing
1: Mm, probably singing are you good no
0: favorite ice cream flavor
1: chocolate peanut butter
0: cup or cone cone in all your time as a triton which of your teammates thought they were the funniest
1: oh gosh um probably Sharaya.
0: in all your time as a triton which of your teammates was the funniest
1: hmm Probably Isabel. <laughs> All
0: right. Who who uh, who is the best cook on the team? Yeah, mm, Gabby. What was her go-to or is
1: a really good pasta? <laughs> Makes <laughs> sense. Why it was my favorite. <laughs> Love it.
0: Love it. And that was pre-Italy or post or both?
1: Probably both. Honestly, I mean, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there was there was one pre-Italy and and I think. That trip to Italy has just inspired her.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. And we'll end here. If you could have played one other sport at UC San Diego for one day, what would you have picked?
1: Fencing, for sure. We went to a fencing match, and that was so much fun.
0: <laughs> well, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us this week on Triton Cast, and good luck. Thank you. Big thank you to Bobby for sharing her story and for her candor during difficult times. It was great to see her carry on her father's legacy by sporting number 97. And best of luck to Bobby in the future, though I doubt we've seen the last of her in La Jolla. Be sure to join us for all new episodes of TritonCast all summer long. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a moment. New episodes of TritonCast premiere each Wednesday. And thanks for listening this week. And don't forget, you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms by searching TritonCast wherever you get your pods. And a reminder, you can listen to any of our 80 episodes anytime on demand. Just visit ucsdtritons.com slash podcasts. For more on TritonCast, follow us on Twitter at TritonCast. And if you have a suggestion for a future guest or other feedback, you can send us a tweet or email us at tritoncast at ucsd.edu. We'll see you back here next week. You've been listening to TritonCast. TritonCast is a production of UC San Diego Athletics Communications. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your platform of choice. If you have show questions or comments or suggestions for future guests, email us at tritoncast at ucsd.edu. You can also follow the show on Twitter at TritonCast.